Don't we have a great looking, good looking, wonderful group of women here this morning? Amen. We do. Yes. Let's give them a hand. We love you mamas and we love you ladies. I'm talking about a unique story this morning. And I want to tell you a story to me that's a little bit unique, a a mama's story. There was a man who was 30 years old. He was in a grocery store. And he was shopping. It's like a lot of men on Saturday. He was sent to the grocery store just to pick up a few things for uh, that night's meal to cook out. And so he had about $20, $25 worth of stuff he was looking for. And he noticed there was an elderly lady and about an 80-year-old lady following him around the grocery store. And he said, you know, well, maybe it's my, I'm just paranoid, it's my imagination. So he started kind of making some James Bond moves, you know, to try to lose her. And she was still there everywhere he went. Finally, he turned around and he, uh, he asked her, he said, ma'am, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but are, are you, is there something I can do for you? And she said, well, you just look like my son did when he was about 30 and he's, he's passed away. And, and I was just following you around just to remember it. It was warm. It was touchy. And. And, you know, of course, that made him feel good. And so he said, well, that's sweet. They talked for a few minutes. And when they were getting ready to part, he asked her, he said, can I do anything for you today? And she said, yeah. She said, I'm fixing to check out. When I'm at the checkout up there, would you just, I know this sounds odd, would you just look at me and, and wave and say, I'll see you later, Mama. That, that would just make me feel so special. And so she's checking out. And he eased up by the checkout. And he looks at her and he says, Mama, I'll see you later. And she turns around and says, Bye, son. Have a great day. And he goes and gets the rest of his stuff. So a few minutes later, he gets to the checkout item uh, counter. And he's checking out. And he's got, he figured, $25 worth of groceries. And they ring it up. It's $225. Well, that, I mean, that kind of stuff happens at Walmart. And so you say, can we do that one more time? And so you do it again. And you say, no, it's 227 They say, man, there's no way. You know, I've just got just a few things. She said, well, your mom said you'd pay for her groceries too. That wasn't a sweet little old lady. It was a mean old evil hag. So that's a unique mama story, I guess. But let's begin with this. Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Easiest books in the Bible to find are chapters because they're chapters 2 and 3 in the whole book. Genesis 2 and 3. You are a unique creation of God. Isn't that wonderful? You, you, whoever you are, you're a mother, you're a lady, you're a husband, you're a dad, you're just, you're a single person, just so you don't fit in any of those categories. You are a unique creation of God. In Genesis 1, and we're going to be in 2 and 3, but Genesis 1, 27, listen to what it says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female, he created them. Jamie, leave that there for just a second. That word created means a brand new creation. It means that God just took the dirt and made something absolutely new that didn't exist. In other words, you are not an advanced monkey. You are not a monkey whose DNA and genetics just got hyped up a little bit. You are, you are a unique creation of God. And when it says that we are created in the image of God, what that means, now folks, this is tremendous to get your heads around, is that when God created you and me, the blueprint that he used, the drawing that he used was himself. He created us in his image. Now, ladies, when that's man and woman, but there's a unique story about Eve's creation that we see in verse 18 and 20. It says, the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Eve had not been created yet. I'm going to make a helper fit for him. 
Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that's what its name was. The man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of heaven, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. Just to pause real quick, don't you hope there's a... DVD or something we can watch in heaven where you could look at some of this. I mean, it's kind of interesting. Adam is, can you, every animal is brought before. How did he figure out what to call them? I mean, you look at what, I guess that, that looks like a possum to me. I mean, how do you, you know, the porcupine's pretty fit. You know, he tell, oh, porcupine, whoa. You know, the skunk, you hope the skunk didn't stink in the Garden of Eden, but you never know. The giraffe, yeah. Uh, that's a sidebar, but I just kind of, you know, I thought about that this week. And verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And when he slept, he took one of his ribs, literally from his side, And he closed up the place with the flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Some historians say that she got the name woman because she was such a looker. And when Adam saw her, he said, whoa, man. Boom. Okay. I think it's funny, but you don't. You get the point. This is another theological truth that you don't know because you're not an advanced Bible scholar like me. I can find these things in the Bible, but took took Eve from a rib, right? And that was a joke, and I'm not being arrogant. That was a joke. Um, so Adam and Eve had some problems early on, which couples do. You know that. You get married, you, you do. And... He would disappear at times. He'd just kind of disappear into the garden. And she wouldn't know where he was. And so he, she began to be suspicious. And, you know, it, did God, is there another woman over on the other side of the garden that you're seeing? What is going on? Where are you? These long walks and, I, you know, your mind's not with me at night and stuff. And so one evening they're, they're laying there and he's almost asleep and he feels like this on his side. And he says, Eve, what are you doing? And she says, I'm counting ribs. You get that? Here's the cool part of it. When God made man, he made a unique creation. When he made woman, obviously that's part of humanity, but he uniquely formed her like nothing else that there was. All the other animals, it's a clear separation from man. And, and I want to tell you this morning, if you came in here and you're down, you've got low self-esteem, you, you don't feel good about yourself, I want to give you, if you get nothing else, take this away this morning. There is no one on this world like you. You are a unique creation of God. It doesn't matter who your mom or your dad is. You're no accident. There's no, uh, you are a creation of God. I have a niece who has a master's degree in genetics and works for a hospital in Little Rock, Arkansas. She's very, very smart. So I called her this week just to double-check on this. You know, your genetics, are that's your, your, your makeup. That's your internal makeup. Your DNA is your genetical makeup. And I said, Katie, all of our DNA is absolutely unique, correct? And she said, yes. And for years you heard that everyone had unique DNA except an identical twin, but that's not true. And I asked her about that, and she said, no, that's what we thought for years, but the farther and the more they learn about DNA, even identical twins have a unique DNA. So I want to tell you this morning, mamas, ladies, men, all of them, 
There's no one in the world like you. You are a unique creation of God. But it doesn't end there. In fact, that's kind of a starting point. The second thing is you have a unique role to play. You have a unique role to play. In other words, God God doesn't want you just looking in the mirror all day and going, I'm unique, I'm unique. God made you. You are unique. You are tremendously special. You are different than anyone that's ever been alive. But God also created you for and with a purpose. Adam was created for a purpose. Eve was created for a purpose. Let me give you two of your roles. You're to make a difference in the life of other people. You have a unique role if you will play it. Most people aren't doing this, by the way. But if you will play it, you have a unique role to play in the lives of other people. In verse 18, it says, The Lord God said it's not good for this man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. In other words, God's looked at the man and said he needs someone to complete him in a human sense. And so I'm going to give him a wife. Now, some people, the Bible says, are gifted to be single, that they, they are intended to, and they can live well being single. But you still need people. We still need people. In verse 24, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Ladies, you have a unique role to play. Now, Wives, you have a unique role to play. We don't always understand this, and men especially don't understand this. How many of you know who Albert Einstein is of splitting atoms and weird hair fame? They, they auctioned off some of his personal journals. Burn your personal journals and letters so they won't get auctioned off after you die. In 1996, listen to this. This was found. This was his expectation list for his wife. Try this, men, when you get home. Make sure that the laundry is kept in order. I want three meals every day brought into my room. I want my desk maintained neatly for my use only. And honey, I'm not making this up. When I demand that you quit talking or leave the room, you must do it. Surprisingly, the marriage ended in divorce a few years later. I would say Albert don't, didn't know how to comb his hair or to figure out women, did he? A woman's role is not to be the slave of a man. Or a man's role to be the slave of a woman. But God said, listen, mamas and, and ladies, you have a unique role to play in the lives of other people. One of my friends several years ago put this in a newsletter about mamas, about what mamas can teach their kids or what they do. Mamas teach us about religion. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. Mothers teach us about weather. Your room looks like a tornado hit it. Mothers teach us about foresight. I love this. Always wear clean underwear in case you have to go to the emergency room. The next time I'm visiting someone in the emergency room, I, I'm going to ask, hey, can I see your underwear real quick? Then I'll be going to jail. Uh, mothers teach us about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. And I love this one. Mothers teach us there's a time and a place for everything. If you and your brother are going to kill each other, please go outside and do it while I finish cleaning the house. Mama, you have a unique role to play. You have a, such an important role to play. To compliment your husband, to make him better if you're married, for your kids. But all of us do. Every single one of us has an important and unique role to play. We need other people. There are people that need you in their lives. And you need to step it up and be there for them and be who you should be for them. But secondly, listen, we have a unique role to play for God. In other words, God has left us here to make a 
unique difference in the lives of others and for for him, for God. In chapter 2, verse 15, it says, The Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. In other words, God created Adam because he wanted fellowship, we'll see in a moment. But he also, he created him, he had a purpose for him and a reason for him in his sphere, not just for the lives of others, but to touch others for him. Mamas, I would tell you this on Mother's Day. Your husband should be the spiritual leader if you're married. He should be saying, let's go to church on Sunday. He should be saying, let's pray and read the Bible at home. He should be leading out to help your kids come to Christ. But if he's not going to do it, you better do it. You better step up and, and, and you better do it. No matter what your role is, Mama, what will you work outside the home or not? I, I've heard, year, you know, for years you'd hear people say, well, what, what does that lady do? Well, she just, she's a stay-home mom. Kind of like it's brushing that off. If, if, you, if you want to work outside the house, that's great. But if you can stay home and you can do that, is there anything more important than staying home and taking care of your kids and your home? Probably not. Maybe not. And, and so why would we disparage that? But maybe you can't do that and you're not doing that. For years, kind of what I heard growing up was if you're going to follow God, you've got to be a preacher or a missionary or a youth minister or you lead music. And everything else is just doing everything else. Nothing could be farther from the truth. You see, whatever God has called you to do, you need to find out what God's called you to do. Most people don't. God's left you here for a reason. God's left you here for a purpose. Quit making excuses. Quit chasing the dollar. Chase after God's purpose for your life. God wants to use you. Who could be a greater missionary than a teacher or a coach? You're a doctor. You're a lawyer. You're a business person. You're a stay-at-home mom. You're a writer. You're a business teacher, whatever it is. God can use you. In fact, God wants to use you. God's left you here. He's gifted you, and he's given you unique talents for you to make a difference in the lives of other people and the lives of other people for him. Every person here that's a follower of Christ, you're an evangelist, you're a missionary, you're a proclaimer of the gospel, you're supposed to be. You are absolutely unique, but you are unique for a reason, to make a difference in the lives of others and to make a difference for God. Let me give you a third unique this morning. You must pursue a unique relationship with God. You must pursue, I must pursue a unique relationship with God. In chapter 2, verse 7, The Lord God formed the man of dust, and from the ground he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. In verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And we go all the way over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, in the New Testament, God is faithful by whom you were called into fellowship, the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. Guys, this is mind-blowing. God created people on purpose. What, why did God create us? I mean, God's God. Couldn't He lived alone in the palace with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and been perfectly content instead of having to create us and mess with us? Because we're a mess, aren't we? You know why God created us? Because he loves us and he wants to have a relationship with us. And he wants to lead us and he wants to guide us and he wants us to love him and know him. I, I mentioned this last week. God's already done all the heavy lifting in this area. He created you. Jesus came and died. Jesus arose from the dead. 
He sent the Holy Spirit to call and to pull on you. But he wants you and me to make a choice not to just know about him, but to have a unique relationship with him. Let me ask you the most important question ever. Do you have that? Has there ever been a time in your life when you truly gave yourself to Jesus Christ? Jesus says it's so radical in John 3, 3, it's, it's likened to a new birth. Jesus says, unless you're born again, you will not go to heaven. You must be born again. That, that's coming into a relationship. Have you entered into that unique relationship? So here's the problem with a lot of us in the South. If we've got enough religion just to keep us out of heaven, and we know about God, we can argue the Bible, we can say that was a good song or a bad sermon, but we don't know Jesus personally. Do you have that? And if you do, here's the second part of this. You must put him above everything else. You see, if you're a Christian, at some point in your life, you did that. You came to Jesus. Well, I got baptized and joined the church. That's great. If you're a Christian, at some point, you uniquely surrendered your life to him. But we slowly and surely pull away from that, and we pull away from Christ. And what he wants from you and me this, this morning is he doesn't want to be a priority in your life. He wants to be the priority in your life. Hey, Mama, Jesus wants to be number one in your life above everybody else. Here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that in a marriage that, that a husband and wife should love each other. They've become one flesh They've got a unique relationship. It also teaches that the man should be the leader of the home. Not the dictator, not the bully, but the the spiritual leader of the home. But you know what? You know who becomes, becomes before your husband, ladies? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Years and years and years ago, I had a lady in one of my churches. She came to church. She got saved. She was bringing her son to church, and her husband was a nice guy, but he cared nothing about church or God. In fact, when I baptized her, he didn't even come that Sunday. And when she started coming to church a lot, that started bothering him, I think for a couple of reasons. One, I think it was God pulling on his heart, but also he felt like he was losing leadership or control of his wife. So he started telling her, you don't need to go to church. You're gone too much. You're gone too much. She came to me and said, what should I do? And I said, well, you need to be the best wife you can be. And you need to put your husband above everybody else in the world except God. I said on Sunday morning, you need to get that little boy and you need to come to church. You need to be here every Sunday. He's going to try to pull it. Get you, you need to be at church. I'm not talking about vacation or the flu, but you need to be at church. And I said, here's what else you do. When Sunday's over, I don't want to see you at church the rest of the week. You spend all your time with him and you love him. And you know what? 20-something years later... They have a great marriage. I don't know if he's a Christian or not yet. But you know what she does every Sunday morning? She goes to church. And she brings her son, who's now an adult, who's now a born-again Christian too. Because she made a decision. I'm going to love my husband above everybody else except Jesus Christ. Men, God wants a unique relationship with you that he doesn't have with a lot of us. And your wife ought to be the second most important person in the whole world after Jesus Christ. Remember, he doesn't want to be a priority. He wants to be the priority of your life or of my life.
I said this Wednesday night in our church service. I don't know who said it, but it's such a good quote. It's a scary quote, too, that Jesus, that Jesus is either number one in your life or he's nothing in your life. Jesus is either number one in your life or he's nothing in your life. And what he wants from you and me is a unique relationship. We put him above everything else. And let me give you the last part of this uniqueness this morning. We must obey him with exactness. Man, this is so important. Before I, I go into this, this, let me tell you how important this is. Some of you are going to ruin your marriages. You're going to ruin your kids. You may end up in jail. You may end up in all kinds of... Tra- because you don't hear this. God... God demands that we obey him on his terms, not on our terms. And this is where our first couple got in so much trouble. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, didn't, didn't God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? It's not what God said. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you must and you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you won't die. No matter what God said, you won't die. Well, let's go look back in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day you eat that you will die. Now, Eve hadn't been created yet. But I guarantee you, Adam, and maybe not enough, but Adam had told her this, she knew this, that they walked and talked with God. God had probably gone over this with her. But for some reason, by the way, Adam's sitting there like a sissy, not getting involved at all with her and the devil are going after it. Another sermon. <laughs> But when she, she argues with the devil, which you should never do, and when the devil misquotes Scripture, the Word of God, she doesn't know it well enough, apparently, to dispute it. And I won't read these, but in verse 5 through 7, here's what's happened. They, they just decide, hey, you know what? God said not to do it, but God's like a good old grandfather. He won't really care. And they do it. He eats, she eats, he eats, and then they both realize they're naked, remember? And they make speedos, and they go hide from God. And it's downhill every since then. How are you obeying God? Some people would say, well, it's legalistic if you, if you really get nitpicky about how you pay, obey God. Legalism, by definition, we, we misuse it. Legalism really means that you, you say you've got to obey these rules to be saved. And that's absolutely not true. You're saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. But it's not legalistic to tell people, as God wants me to know and God wants me to tell you too, that when God says it's red, it's red. When God says green, it's green. And when God says to do this, God intends for you and me to do this. Here's what happens. All, it happens every day at work. It happens in sports. It happens in school. You and I don't obey people exactly. We, we fudge. We come in late. We don't complete our work. We lie a little bit. 
We don't do our workouts like we should. And then we get kicked off the team or we get fired or we fail the class. And it's everybody else's fault but, but ours. That's not true. When, when the authorities in your life give you boundaries, you need to follow those boundaries rightly. I mentioned my daughter last week who spent her junior and senior year in high school grounded. Here was the primary reason. That was an exaggeration. Here's the primary reason. We'd say be in at 12. She'd come in at 12.07. We'd say be in at 12, and she'd come in at 12.05. We'd say be in at 12, and she'd be sitting out in the car with some guy at 12.10. And you know what? I may be mean, but 12 means 12 to me. And so after about the third time, I realized her watch wasn't broken. It was her head that was broken. And so she needed to spend more time with Jesus and mom and daddy and the Rottweilers. And we gave her that opportunity. Let me just say this to you and to me about God. When God says you don't need to do what you're doing, you better obey him. When God says things like being in church on Sunday is a priority, we have taken that as a pure suggestion. If it fits in... When God says, I want you to love other people, share your faith. When I want you to be the the man or the woman, the husband, the dad, the wife that you should be. We just decide to pick and choose and obey what fits us and what doesn't fit us. That's exactly what got Adam and Eve in trouble. Man, you are are so unique, but you you need to decide that you're going to obey God with exactness. And with clarity. Because when God says to do something, God expects you and I to do it. Not on our terms or when we're ready or how we want to do it. But to do it exactly and specifically as he tells us how. Take this this morning. There's nobody in the world like you. Moms, ladies, all of you. And that God's left you here for a unique purpose that only you can really fulfill. And the way you're going to fulfill it is by knowing Christ and uniquely obeying Him and living for Him above everything else. Will we do it? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I hope that God has spoken to your heart. I hope there's things that right now you're saying yes to God about. If if, if you're not a Christian, you say, I don't know if I'm a Christian, but you're ready today to cross that line with Jesus. Pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I, I am a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you.